Hello and another warm welcome to the Big Bright Podcast. Thank you to everyone who has been listening so far. We reached 25 episodes a couple of weeks ago. We plan to just keep on going, so do subscribe and if you fancy it, give us a review. It helps more people find our podcast and gives them the opportunity to learn more about marketing, design, tech and everything in between. So today I'm delighted to welcome our very own Angus Goldsmith, who is a technical architect for Dash. He's been with us for a few years now and recently has been looking into how our company can reduce emissions and become more eco-friendly. This is no easy task in the tech industry but considering the news we've been hearing recently and the pressures on businesses to reduce their environmental impact, we thought this would be a good opportunity to discuss the issues and give software companies tips on what they can be doing to reduce their CO2 and more. So welcome, Angus. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for joining me today. So to begin, tell our listeners a little bit about your journey into tech and how you became to be a technical architect at Bright. Yeah, I mean, both my parents were in into this kind of job you know as a child growing up you're playing with games you just want to make them do what you want to do and it turns out the best way of doing that is by programming so you just start picking it up before you know it you're doing a career in it so i ended up at bright been here for about six years now so done lots of different things in bright we've got a few different products and we, we used to do custom work so i've done a lot of that now on dash which is our new product um, and yeah over the the years i've become more interested in the high level things not just programming on the floor but also yeah things like the environmental factors other high level concerns that you kind of have to think about when you're in this architect position and what exactly is a technical architect yeah someone who is responsible for the various strategic technical aspects of could be software it could be other things um so things like maybe does the software cope well when there's thousands and thousands of people using it? Things like security, things like environmental impact, just anything that isn't kind of in the nitty gritty of how a solution works is that kind of thing you need to be thinking about as well. Someone needs to think of the long term. So in five years, is the stuff we're doing now going to put us in good stead? Brilliant. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, very important role. So climate change is incredibly prominent right now. What does the tech landscape look like at the moment in terms of stepping up to these challenges? I think at the moment, the tech industry is responsible for maybe about 4% of emissions. And there is a lot of worry around as tech rises, is the emissions that they produce going to rise? Is, is basically tech going to cause tons of global warming? And the good news is that it hasn't really been rising. So even though there has been more tech, that has actually enabled some efficiencies. It means that the kind of consumption of energy of tech hasn't increased as much. It's not a massive problem, but obviously everyone needs to do their bit. I'm sure you've seen like recently there's everyone's really on this on the green game. I walked down the street yesterday to my guitar lesson. I saw two adverts. So Sky um, was one of them. It's obviously kind of a tech company. They employ a lot of developers. It was literally a, about being green and saving the planet and all that kind of thing. So these companies are really starting to take it into account now and start focusing on it. Whether it's just in their marketing or whether they're actually doing things, I don't know, but they're clearly thinking about it. Yeah, I think no matter what you're doing in the companies, raising awareness about it, I think is really important. So what are the biggest emitters of CO2 in the tech industry? For tech companies like ours, which is a digital company, we don't have any physical products, which a lot of tech companies don't. Actually, most of the emissions are kind of overheads in terms of employees. Office space, so all the energy usage and commuting is a massive one. I think I had some statistic where the average person commuting to work 
emits 3.2 tons of CO2. It's quite a lot. And in comparison, like we're looking at server emissions. So that's an obvious thing where tech companies have lots of servers. A big server might emit 160 kilograms a year. So like the amount of servers we have on Dash is probably emitting less than one person's average commute. Obviously at the moment, people aren't commuting, which is great. But yeah, so for, for digital tech companies, the majority of emissions are going to be stuff that is not tech company specific every office company are going to have these kind of emissions obviously for stuff like tech like phones or actual hardware then there's going to be emissions from the production of that as well so all the way through from extraction resources up to the factory there's going to be a lot more thankfully we just have to worry about our servers and our people in our office Going back to commuting, I suppose there's been a lot of, obviously, yeah, during the pandemic. And as a result of that, more companies are doing this like hybrid working thing. How much do you think that will affect the emissions that businesses are giving out? For businesses like ours and other kind of digital businesses, it is one of the biggest factors is people's travel. Obviously, different countries, different locations, there's better travel links. Obviously, public transport is better than driving. In places like America, it's going to be really high where they drive everywhere and they have big commutes. Whereas, you know, if you've got people taking the train in that's going to be better but just having less people in offices is kind of one of the biggest things that a lot of companies can do which they've been forced to do and now are thinking more uh, actively about doing even when they don't need to so it's going to make a good difference yeah what about like zoom calls and stuff and all that kind of thing does that directly link back to like co2 emissions and stuff like that Obviously, when you're using Zoom, you're connecting to a server that's doing some processing and that will be using electricity and will, the fact that the servers exist, they've had emissions go into their production. So that will very, very slightly increase emissions. But obviously, if you consider what people were doing before that, where they were taking a train to a different location, even flying to different countries, probably the net effect of people realizing that actually you can do remote calls and not need to travel to places probably outweighs the kind of people doing Zoom when before they would have been in person. And especially because if they're in the office, then they would be using energy and they'd be commuting. And it's just like, it will be using a bit, but it massively is outweighed by the amount that's been saved in kind of other areas. Yeah, well, that is good to know. So let's get into what software companies can be doing to reduce their emissions. Yeah, so again, specifically for software companies and people that run servers, the first thing is obviously the less servers you have, the less emissions you're going to have. And you want that anyway, because it's tied to financial reward or costs, as in the more servers you have, the more it costs you. So a lot of companies will obviously already be trying to reduce their number of servers or keep it to a minimum because it costs them more money to have more. Hopefully, a lot of companies will be kind of doing this already by default. But then within that, there's actually a big difference between on-premise servers versus cloud servers. So you've got your own servers that you've got. So we used to have a few like just in the back of our office. Basically due to kind of efficiencies of energy and also utilization, they're going to be basically account for more emissions because a big cloud provider, they can use energy much more efficiently for a start. And then secondly, they actually, because of the way kind of virtualization works and the cloud works, when their server is sat there, it's actually at something like 65% utilization, which is quite high. Whereas the statistic I saw for on-premise servers is about 13%. So that means that you've got this thing there and you've paid the cost of all the emissions to create it and to run it, but you're actually only using 13% of its potential. Whereas in a cloud environment, because they can pull everything together and they can split up usage and put multiple people using the same machine, they can get 65% out of it. So the emissions are about half according to one research paper that I read. That's obviously really good. There are some cases where you can't be in the cloud and it doesn't make sense to do so, but you're not in the cloud and you can be. It's just another reason to do it. 
yeah I think that's important actually this cloud topic so in what instances would it not be a good idea to go to the cloud there are some specialist use cases where you might have specialist hardware that cloud providers don't have in the past been things like regulatory requirements but a lot of the cloud providers now have their own special thing so if you need to fit some regulations they'll have a version of their cloud that fits that there's less and less reasons kind of every day not to do it i think it's technically cheaper on paper to have your own server like if you pay for it once versus you better use it for let's say five years if you hire that server on the cloud for five years it would cost more but you obviously then you're managing it. You have to pay a person then to manage this thing. But yeah, some companies will work to out that actually with their usage and they might have extreme usage that it makes sense for them from a financial point of view at least. But yeah, it will be greener to use the clouds. And actually most of the cloud providers run on fully green energy. So you actually can be happy that while the servers are running, they're not causing any emissions. Yeah. Can't do anything about the fact that creating hardware emits things and that's the eternal ethical problem of tech and the same for kind of even consumer tech like you, you might be into ethically buying things but as soon as you buy tech it uses a lot of emissions it's probably done in not very good conditions and all that kind of thing you can't get away from that but at least google microsoft a lot of the amazon regions not all of them are all run on green energy so you can kind of be happy about that as well yeah. oh, okay great that's really interesting what other things can companies be doing particularly if they have to use like hardware and stuff what can they be doing to sort of balance that out a bit yeah, so specifically with the usage of stuff like servers, you can just make sure that your it comes back to this utilization thing we're talking about. Try and get as much utilization as possible, which is good for your bottom line as well. Don't have your servers sat around doing nothing. There's various modern things like auto scaling, basically only filling up servers when you need them, either based on kind of usage patterns that you know. So you might know Friday's busy. So rather than having servers sat around all the time that can handle the amount of traffic you get on a Friday, you could automate it so that the servers only get spun up on Friday and you're then only paying the financial cost and the carbon cost on Friday. There's also stuff like on-demand computing now. So stuff like functions as a service, Amazon Lambda, where there's nothing happening until someone makes a request and then it spins something up just to deal with that request. You're only paying the financial and the carbon cost when you exactly need to. Obviously, there's like buying locally and stuff like that. Do you have any other ideas for what they could be doing to reduce their CO2 emissions and stuff? The, one of the biggest things and what a lot of people are doing now is the remote thing, reducing commuting in Havaway or if, if there is commuting, making sure it's not done by car or carpooling and the same for business transport, trying to cut that down and using Zoom, having less people in the office, I guess uses less energy from the office, but more at home. So you could kind of argue that that's maybe a moot point. And then there's lots of other things. So we've got things like you mentioned buying locally. That's a kind of an interesting one where you would imagine like, oh, it has less distance to travel. So so it must be greener. But kind of due to economies of scale, the amount of energy used to produce something locally is often a lot higher because they don't get those massive efficiencies that kind of, let's say farming, for example. Um, if you've got this massive, massive farm in somewhere that's not in the country, and then you're doing like a little local small batch farming, the amount of energy per ton of produce is going to be so much higher for the local one. And also then the kind of distribution networks obviously really optimized for these large companies. So for a lot of, in a lot of cases, from a pure, 
purely green standpoint, buying local is not actually better. But there are a lot of other ethical reasons to buy local. The obvious case of Amazon, where yeah, they, you know, say. Jeff Bezos <laughs> makes tons of money. The workers are not treated very well. So you probably don't want to buy from Amazon for kind of ethical reasons in that sense. So I'm not saying don't buy locally, but just if you're looking at it from a purely green perspective, it's not a clear-cut, obvious thing where it's definitely always better. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know another thing that we do here at Bright in particular is we offer different sorts of pensions. I know that we do have like a green pension scheme. With all this stuff with the report, one of the main bits of advice is kind of where you put your money. If you've got lots of money and it's all in kind of a bank that invests in fossil fuels, then obviously you're indirectly contributing to that. So yeah, as you say, Bright has a pension fund where one of the options is kind of an ethical green pension fund. Putting your money in there, you're obviously helping the green cause, as it were. It's obviously if you have a company and you're offering pension funds, you can make sure that you have a green option available. Or if you want to be extreme, you, that could be the default or only option that you offer as like the company pension. And it's the same for where the company stores its money. So the bank account the company uses, ideally you could find a company that has good green credentials. I'm sure you you've seen in various cities around the world so we have one in Brighton there's a branch of a bank which has big spray painted things outside it saying stop supporting fossil fuels maybe don't put your money in those kind of banks if you don't want to support those kind of things yeah no it makes perfect sense I suppose yeah the money there will be going to like green causes and helping plant trees and all that sort of thing yeah it will be invested in it won't be invested in oil companies and gas companies I'm sure you can also get ones that are very specific to investing in companies companies which are explicitly green but i think in general the green ones are just basically not the bad things yeah having one that's specifically invested in explicitly like green companies would be quite a narrow portfolio and would, might be quite risky to have a pension okay it's definitely something that people can look into if they're interested great it'd be rude not to talk about um, our own software bright is a digital asset management company and you work for dash one of our products Do you believe digital asset management can play a part in reducing emissions within a business? Yeah, a lot of technology can, I think. And so for DAM specifically, the kind of things it replaces are, well, there's this emails. Surprisingly, emails use quite a lot of energy. I think there was one stat somewhere about emails that wasn't quite true. You might have heard of where like they're really ridiculously bad. They're not that bad, but they do use quite a lot of emissions up. Things like, again, like meeting, any kind of meetings between people that you can avoid, like having kind of sharing functionalities and collaboration functionalities within a piece of software, like within Dash will reduce those kind of need to do that. And just general efficiencies like cutting out, printing out paper and sending bits of paper to people. The general thing of tech as a whole is efficiency. And is this a damage? It's another example of making a process more efficient, which almost in all cases will reduce the emissions. Going back to what I was initially talking about, where there's kind of a fear and there, there is still, I think, kind of having read a few articles recently of this kind of fear of tech and is it causing global warming, basically? or being a massive contributor. And I think it's this kind of thing where actually technology is making things more efficient. And although the technology itself is emitting things, the processes we had in place before that were emitting even more and were even worse. So you've got things like technology enabling smarter production of goods so they can actually emit less and technology being used in smart meters in your home. I constantly get things from my energy provider trying to get me to put a smart meter in. And that's an example of technology reducing emissions and just generally the efficiency 
efficiencies you gain from the advances in software and technology kind of outweigh the extra emissions from things like servers and that kind of thing. Definitely. So I know you've been working on our environmental policy recently. Could you explain a little bit about that and maybe what companies could be doing if they want to do a similar thing? Yeah, so we've been near the start of this thinking about what we can do here. And the first step is to work out what our emissions currently are and where they're coming from. So there's various standards, I think, for these carbon emission reports. And there are companies out there that can help you generate these. And so that's what we're currently doing. We're kind of enumerating all our emissions and there's various categories, scopes, emissions, so direct, indirect, and then the one after that. So yeah, we've been looking into that recently and we've found lots of stuff already, like about our energy usage. And that surprising thing we found where actually our servers are using a lot less than we thought compared to kind of our, our just general people usage. And then having done that, having got that report, we can firstly use that to kind of track our progress, see what we need to do next, do it every year. And this, these reports are yearly things. They tell you about your previous year of emissions. So yeah, we can track what we're up to and how we're improving things, hopefully. You know, you never know. It might go up because we might have legitimate reason to do that. We're obviously going to be working to reduce it. And then also knowing how much we do emit, we can then offset that. So once we receive the report, we will then be able to offset that amount of CO2. Again, there's various companies out there for wherever you're based that can do that for you. And they have lots of different kind of projects available and different kind of portfolios for things that you can invest in to counteract the CO2 you're producing. Brilliant. Well, I think for my final question, you mentioned earlier that you've been seeing sort of lots of adverts about being greener and stuff, and you don't want to risk sort of like greenwashing and all, and, and all that. But how important is it, do you think, that companies are transparent about what they're doing or not doing to help this sort of crisis that we're in at the moment? I know that certain industries and potentially even most industries in the future are required to actually have these carbon reports. That's kind of maybe up to the government to potentially yeah, mandate that every company needs to do this and make it publicly available so that everyone can see, are they actually green? Are they just paying lip service to it? And actually, we've even had clients ask for our report before they sign up to our product. They want to see. So it's obviously a thing that's massively growing yeah. recently, the kind of interest in this. We kind of foresee that will be and we feel like this is a really good timing that we're starting to do our report because we want to show people that we are really doing it and we want to be really doing it rather than just kind of you know anyone can have a message saying oh we're totally green but yeah if you actually have proof that you are and you're actually doing it that's going to be really helpful and yeah i think hopefully legislation will force people to do these reports and improve what they're doing because that's what we need to happen isn't it everyone needs to improve exactly hopefully we'll save the planet oh Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming to the chat with me today. If anyone's interested in connecting with you or chatting with you, where can I direct them? LinkedIn. I'll put your LinkedIn link in the podcast notes anyway. But yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's been amazing. Thanks for listening to the Big Bright Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode and check out our website at builtbybright.com.